Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, PK. How are you doing tonight all the way in Tucson? Yes, absolutely. Delightful day, nice and warm sun, beautiful breeze. Scares me. Something something nasty must be coming to happen. (laughs) I know. Well, we had a couple of really very cold days. And guess what wasn't working? Our heat. Your furnace. I just knew it. Yes. As soon as you said You just knew it. It was a rough two days, I'll tell you, because not being used to the cold and then having it so cold in the house, I was your pretty house grumpy. Is cold. Yeah. Yes. It, I, it can be cold if the heat doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, finally, the guys came today to fix it. They were working here for yeah. six hours. It's fixed. But it takes a long time to heat this place up, so I am still a little bit on the freezing side. But anyways, I'm I'm glad you made it on the show. I know uh, both you and our wonderful guest tonight, Nick, had trouble getting on the blog talk yeah. board, uh, but thank God you made it. So By the all is right with the world. Both of us the yeah, you sure did. <laughs> I was sweating. Oh, it. It. But anyways, keep us going. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, what what do you have for us tonight? I think you have something a little more unusual. Well, what I've been thinking about is everybody likes to know who they are, what year they're in, etc. So I'm going to make it very simple. If you add your month and day of birth together, reduce it to a single digit, and add that to the universal five year, that will tell you what your personal year is. And the and personal year starts my- now, right? That's right. So, oh boy, since the five, we're on a bridge period right now. So, you could add it to a six because that's what the year is going to be. That will tell you exactly where you are. So, for myself, ten and nineteen, I end up adding to the six. So, lucky me, I end up being able to follow right through it. If you're always looking for something new, if you add your month and day of birth together which is 10-17 for me, which is a 27-9. Then whatever the year is, universal year is, 2022 that we're going into is going to make it a six-universal year. So add your single digit of your birth month and day to the six. That will tell you what your personal year is this year. That, that, okay. that we're going into right now, the new year. Okay? Because starting October, we get that is our preview of the coming year. So for every now on your website, child, do you mm-hmm. have the information so people can look up their 
their year, I mean their their number, their personal number on your website? I'm going to put some more information up there for everybody because the nicest part about it is if you're in a one, you're going to get fresh starts and new beginnings. If you're in a two, you're going to be looking for that partner or partnership or looking to ditch the partner you have. It'll be one or the other. Remember what goes up must come down. So you get both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> right. <laughs> if three, you get a lot of communications, and a lot of that's really good, and it gives you ideas of where to go and what to do. And, no, three also deals with gossip, so you can kind of tone it down however you want to. Either throw it out there or, you know, up pops Beelzebub if you don't do it right. But the four is going to give everybody a hint to get ready to make it or break it. Anything to do with land and property is going to go really good for that person. And if they're in a five, they get to make some major changes, good to bad, bad to good, but predominantly it's going to be good. It's going to give them a chance if they decide they want to change the job, make a move of home, whatever. Perfect year for them to do it in 2022. If you're in a six, that's when a lot of times people decide that they'll take another chance on that marriage or the first marriage, putting things together, but it's all about family. And family always includes our pets. That's what people forget about. It's the sixth year, anytime we're in that, you've got extra things to do with and for the pets, and that's always a positive. And if you're in a seven, get those legal things off the table, get things taken care of, clean it out. And if you want to go back to school or study anything, perfect year to do it. Absolutely great. Oh, good. If you find you're in an eight year, that's when you want to rub your little hands together and go for making some money. There's a luck factor that goes with it and gives you some opportunities. And if it ends up that you're in a nine, the nine is all about the world at large. It's what we can do for others. And it's anything to do with the theater, acting, or artistic of anything. You'll find that that will be a good time to start reaching out for that kind of stuff. But I'll put some more stuff up on the site. Give you a little yeah, more please. And that's, yeah, that would be great. PatriciaKirkman.com is where you can go to get more information on this. And, of course, you can get your own personal reading with Patricia. You can schedule that anytime that it's convenient for both of you. I highly recommend it, especially with all the crazy stuff that's going on. <laughs> Our world is you need crazy. as much Oh, we need as much guidance. Even if your imagination. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so, we are paying anyways. attention. Prior to Halloween, we are dealing with Beelzebub. That's it. We'll just call yeah, it Yeah, I think that. so. I, I think so. You know, actually, there were some remote viewers that uh, Farsight just did a big remote view on Lucifer. It was very oh. interesting. Very interesting. You find it on YouTube, and it's worth watching. They have some very talented remote viewers, and they had a lot to say that was was quite different than what I expected. So very, very interesting stuff. So that's Farsight on YouTube. So let's see. Yeah, and I want to keep recommending to everybody a couple of books. One is, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It, I really suggest you get that book. As I mentioned, it's by Patricia Quintilian, who's an attorney, and it is an older book, but it's still got great information. With all Mm -hmm. the taxes they're talking about sticking us with, I really suggest you buy that book. It's on Amazon and read it, especially the horror stories. They're quite entertaining, as long as it's not you, but you really need to know your rights. 
So uh, I suggest you pick that up and read it. We also have Opus Mago Kabbalisticum, which is the first English translation of this very old German text. It's fascinating. The translation was done by a professor here at Smith College, and the um, the foreword was written by our friend Lon Duquette. So another great book to have in your library, and uh, it's a treasure. It really is a treasure. If you're looking for a gift for anybody, I highly recommend that one. And, of course, Lon's book, which is my favorite, My Life with the Spirits. I can't recommend that highly enough, especially if you need a good laugh because that is so humorous, just like his personality. He writes like he is, and it's hilarious, and it's a wonderful, wonderful break from everything that we're going through right now in this world. So My Life with the Spirits, great book. So tonight, we're talking about one of our favorite subjects tonight, time travel. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't I think wish you've I... ever had, you wish you could. Maybe we'll find out how when we talk okay. to our, our guest tonight, author Nick Redfern. Now, Nick is a full-time author and journalist specializing in a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, UFO sightings, government conspiracies, alien abductions, and paranormal phenomena. He writes regularly for the London Daily Express newspaper, Fortean Times, Fate, and UFO magazine. His previous books include Three Men Seeking Monsters, Strange Secrets, Cosmic Crashes, and The FBI Files, and I know there's many more. But his latest book is Time Travel, The Science Mm -hmm. and Science Fiction. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me on again. It's always great to have you on. Yeah, you're so knowledgeable about everything, all all paranormal things. That's why we love having you here. Yeah. Well, so some things I'm not. <laughs> no, oh, I'm going to give you credit anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but this new book, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to peruse it ahead of your uh, your interview tonight, but I, I will get a copy for both of us because it looks absolutely fascinating. But before we go into time travel, I have a question for you. And I mentioned it briefly before we got on the air, and it's about something called the Fuzzy Man. I didn't know if you ever heard of this one, but it's there was a story about um, a young boy who disappeared, never found. And then uh, years later, his brother disappeared. Again, these are young children, like under 10, and they found him alive this time. And he talked about being taken by a fuzzy man, and his mother was a big Bigfoot uh, fan, and she asked him, well, was it Harry? And he said, no, it wasn't. And he said it had no eyes and no mouth, Hmm. and it ended up not keeping him because apparently he he told this young boy in some frame uh, that he was not the right kind. I had never heard about this type of cryptid before. Have you? The fuzzy man, did you say? Yeah, no eyes, no mouth. No, I've not heard of of that at all. But um, but what I would say, that the the angle of no eyes and no mouth, that sounds very much like the the so-called slender man. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. 
That was you know the Slender Man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that well, was a um, really big thing. Yeah, and I mean it's actually still has a large, a large following now, but certainly not as much um, as like a, a year or two ago. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one parallel I can think of would be the the fact that the Slenderman um, everybody describes him as although he has a black suit and pale the one thing that's different is the the lack of eyes and and the lack of mouth um, uh-huh. so there might be some kind of connection there is it in one particular area that this has happened I'd, I'd have to go back and listen I was kind of half listening to the story and then all of a sudden uh, it was over but. There was more to it about the boy was being kept in a tree trunk, a hollowed-out tree trunk. And this fuzzy man gave him berries to eat, which is similar to what some stories I've heard about Bigfoot. But um, didn't end up keeping him, thank God. But they never, ever found his brother. Well, most of the reports of the Slender Man as well are in, like, woods and trees and um, forest as well. So... um... I don't know if that is connected, but um, it might be worth sort of looking into it uh, further. But the, the boy came up with that term, did he? He did, yes. Okay. And even when the mother questioned him that, you know, didn't didn't he have hair, because she thought this had to be a Bigfoot, he said, oh. no, it was not hair. So very interesting. First time I've ever heard of it, too. So anyway. Well, maybe there'll be more... Yeah, maybe there'll be more exposure about whatever it is, you know, and uh, more people will talk about it, perhaps. I hope so, yeah, because if there's something like that out there, it would be nice to know more. But let's go into your new book. What made you want to write about time travel? Um, Well, that's a good question, really. I mean, um, I think a lot of people uh, in some ways are sort of intrigued by time travel. I think for one reason... You know, I think all of us at one point or another, you know, we kind of think, oh, if only we hadn't done this and we could go back and do that, <laughs> you know. Um, right, yes. We all have that kind of thing in our lives. And uh, and I think that's part of it, at least. It's the, it's sort of the, the wish, if you like, to be, um, to go back to, I don't know, you know, but go back to school and or college and do this and, and do this different that way that kind of thing you know or um you know just make you know if you fell down the steps you know that kind of thing you wish never done that right um yeah but i mean but joking aside yeah i think the idea or the possibility of changing the past the present and the future is sort of a fascinating phenomenon and in many respects it's almost like a a unique phenomenon you know the idea that you literally and possibly could alter things um and so for me um the reason why i decided to um to write the book was because over the years a a lot of books have been written from the uh, on uh, the perspective of time travel um but Many of them sort of go over old ground and, um, you know, and it's sort of very much like um, just like a time time to travel real, if you like, going over and over. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do a book, why not do something a little bit um, different? And so rather than just focusing on, 
you know, kind of like scenarios like Back to the Future, you know, with, with um, you know, sophisticated time machines and you press 1955 and you run into your mum at school, you know, that kind of thing. Right. With like, with, like, um, <clears throat> with Back to the Future. But um, one of the things I decided to do was to sort of take an alternative approach, um, looking at things, for example... Um, Possibly things like deja vu um, and doppelgangers might be evidence of time travel um, rather than just going over the, the same old things. And, um, and also things like um, you know, people having uh, prophetic um, dreams and nightmares and, um, and things like that. And um, in other words, you know, perhaps the human mind can in our subconscious um, can travel through time if in uh, physical uh, mode in the everyday you know we're not able to do it but when we're in the deep sleep um, state that possibly uh, you know our, uh, our soul if you like almost can possibly um, do things like that you know sort of um, go through time so so i decided to go through some of the more alternative um angles as to what causes potentially causes um time travel to happen rather than just the straightforward you know, like i said the you know the movies and um hit button and then you land in you know 1950 <laughs> or whatever <laughs> now, yes but you've seen the photographs i'm sure lots of us have of people in old photos that look like they're talking on a phone, or there was one with a gentleman with um, some type of a contemporary shirt and sunglasses. Mm. And then there's that older woman that's walking down the street many years ago. It looks like she's holding some kind of a phone. You've seen those. What do you make of those? Oh, yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, again, that's sort of like, um, you know, an, an intriguing angle because uh, we've got some hard evidence of a of an unusual character um it's actually but what it is um the the story basically is that um there was some filming being um made down in hollywood for a new charlie chaplin movie and mm -hmm. the when they were doing the filming in the background and and further in the forefront um you can see this woman um walking along on her own and she's got this sort of sort of black outfit on and um and she's got something um what looks like she looks like she's holding a um a cell phone and um some people have said well there's no way it could be cell phones because we're talking about the 1920s um and if you look at the picture now if it was, as some people think, um, just like, um, you know, sort of an earphone for people who have got bad ears, you know. Right, um, yeah. If it was just um, something like that, well, possibly we could wipe it away. However, if you watch carefully this footage, what you actually see is that it's not. she's not just holding it to her ear, she's actually speaking in in response um right and of course back in the 1920s now there, there were um earphones um in the 1920s that's a fact because when this story broke 
a number of people started to do research to see if there were earphones at that time, and even small ones, and there were. Um, but that cannot explain um, how she was speaking in at the other end, you know, the mouth end. Right. And, uh, yes, yeah. great point. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why this has been sort of perceived by many people as a time traveller. And also, if you look at her and, um, and she sees the camera looking at her, you can see clearly that she's quite awkward and doesn't want to be seen with her face and mm -hmm. she's looking away and she's got this black outfit, outfit and, um, and she's also got these really, this sounds strange, but she's got these really long feet, <laughs> and, uh, which has made huh. some people think, well, was it a man in disguise, which makes it oh. even more weird. But, but yeah. that story, yeah, but that story, the, the Charlie Chaplin time travel woman, um, is one of the most fascinating stories where potentially, at least, you know, we could say that we caught on camera uh, or on film, you know, uh, a time traveller um, come back to the 1920s and doing their absolute best to try and avoid uh, being um, outed for what they really are. Yes. It's fascinating. And yeah. then there's also other stories, like the one that's most famous, I think, is The Man from Torrid. Oh, are you familiar with talk, that one? Are you talking about the, the young guy? The guy that showed up in Japan with a passport saying he was from Torrid. Nobody knew what Torrid was, <laughs> so they they took him to um, into custody, basically. But he he was adamant that he was from Torrid, and here was his passport to show this. And then he was taken to a high-rise. He was up on one of the upper floors, guards outside his room. And the next morning, he was not in the room. He was gone. Now, this may be more like a shift in a dimensional reality than time travel, but it's uh, it's one of the most incredible stories, you know, where people came yeah. forward and said they saw him and they saw his passport and they just didn't know anything about this torrid place, but he was sure that's where he was from and he couldn't believe anybody didn't know about it. Mm. Yeah, well, that story actually, you know, is one of the the more intriguing and also sort of bizarre stories, primarily because, as you said about timelines, um, you know, one of the angles of time travel isn't just that... Um, you know, we can go from one place, or in theory, we can go from one place to the other, but we can actually jump timelines and things like that. And timelines, basically, um, it's in simple terms, imagine the scenario where you travel through time and you change something, and that would cause a, a, t a change in the timeline. And so mm -hmm. you would have like an alternative... Uh, reality um, pa going parallel with another one and so one person could in theory at least um, one person could um, change the the timeline and what would happen would be that the things that you did say for example in the last two weeks three weeks um, 
one people one person might sort of perceive them or see them in one way and yet another one remembers it another way because there's this rift which is created over the timeline and one of the theories is that cases like this where nobody can figure out the you know the name of this place or there and or here never heard of it could be because they they literally did not exist in the other timeline and um so it's it's quite a sort of a a, a controversial angle sort of uh, you know so, so to speak in the sense that um when you start meddling with timelines you know you could alter realities and history and um you know change the things that happened two weeks ago things like this and um and as i said that that is one of the primary reasons and and, and why and why the whole angle, <coughs> angles like this can occur and yet nobody has any idea of um who the person is where they come from no one can uh, find any id etc etc and um and that demonstrates you know the idea that somebody just out of nowhere the the most likely scenario would be that angle of creating another reality if you like by altering the first one yeah that is so fascinating and then there was a, a gentleman from earlier times i don't remember if it was turn of the century or earlier he showed up on a New York City street, and mm-hmm. he was hit by a car. He didn't know, didn't have any idea where he was or what he was doing, and he was just standing in the middle of the street kind of dazed, and he was killed. And they had no record of, of this man anywhere, but then somebody took this a little further, looked it up, went and found his, his wife, who is still alive. I believe, and and she confirmed that he just disappeared one day. Yeah, I haven't heard that story, um, but um, but things like that do get reported where somebody just vanishes. You know, it, it quite literally mm-hmm. is as if they were one minute there or one second there and then gone the next. And again, you know, um, a lot of time travel theorists believe that could be the case that um you know if you're not careful enough to make sure that um if you choose to try and time travel you better be careful um as to what yeah. the outcome's going to be um kind right. of like um i mentioned earlier just briefly back to the future if you remember the movie uh, michael oh, yeah. j fox's um brother um in the in the um in the movie one of the photographs that they're looking at it starts to vanish bit by bit um in other words their reality the more the more and more time is being altered the uh, equally the more and more um you begin to wink out of the in the time reality that you live in and if you're unable to correct things and less and less, then you start to uh, wink out, like exactly like um, Michael J. Fox did when he was playing the guitar in Back to the Future, and the, his hands start to go transparent. And um, yeah, and before you would know it, in theory, you know, you would um, you would not only vanish, 
but potentially there would be a realization on the part of the person that other people don't remember you anymore, that kind of thing. So it gets really kind of creepy yeah. in some ways. It does. I mean, gosh, I'd hate to be that guy that just showed up in a New York street only to be hit by a car. Didn't know yeah, what was going on. That's for darn sure. That's awful. But, uh, um, but there's a lot of stories like that where people just pop up out of nowhere, sometimes wearing um, old clothes, um, mm-hmm. things like, or at least when I say old clothes, I mean clothes to one particular era, if you like. Um and there's, there's cases like that where someone's just appeared and popped up and, and try and people are like, well, he was wearing strange clothes and he was doing this. Right. And, uh, yeah, and um, and then they're gone. And um, and it's easy, really, to put that into, into the sort of the components of time travel. Yes, it is. So you were also doing a lot of research on the history of this for your book, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's several ways of sort of investigating um, time travel. Um, one is like uh, we mentioned um, with the Hollywood movie, um, you know, the idea of um, looking back sort of 70, 80, 90 years ago, looking at film footage and photographs and, and seeing, you know, if you can recognize someone um, in an old photograph um, and and somebody does that and actually sees someone who looks like they're wearing uh, relatively modern-day clothing. There's a few photographs um, like that that have been um, have been shown, and uh, never mind just you know the the um, you know the ear devices and so on, or what it actually really was. Um, yeah. But they're also um, you know one of the more intriguing ways of sort of. Um, Going through time is what I briefly mentioned. Um, you know, when you go to bed, you go into a deep sleep, you know, and you possibly go through the sort of like um, an astral time um, zone, if you like. In other words, you know, um, when when we go to sleep, you know, um, I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, sometimes you have very graphic dreams to the point where they're not really just dreams. It's rather they are examples of us, um, you know, sort of astrally traveling time. And I think that's why a lot of people do have sort of like prophetic um, dreams, nightmares of things to come. Um, and, um, you know, and they, and they remember these events or or three or four months down the line, um, they realized that the the event that they dreamed, say in February, comes true in July. A lot of people have had that. I've had that once or twice, not much at all, nothing exciting, but enough to make me believe that what I dreamed about sort of uh, four months earlier did come true. Now, well, that's not sort of like you're using um, literal time machines, but it is demonstrating how the human mind, the soul, can be perhaps um, sort of extracted out of the body and we have the ability to, in some fashion at least, um, you know, sort of traverse time 
and of course when you wake up you know you're you're sort of um, brought back you know you're dragged back into your body but i think in some of those very deep meaningful dreams um they could very well be evidence um of that angle of of time travel and it doesn't require machines or buttons to be pressed or to go down and and uh, get a new DeLorean or anything like that you know you can <laughs> you can you can travel potentially through time via the human mind and that's that's one of the more intriguing aspects you know so I mean I have no problems with scientists you know using um things like wormholes black holes to try and alter um the sort of the, the um you know the, the role if you like or the uh, you know the domain of time travel however um but if we could achieve it ourselves in the ways i just mentioned well then possibly you know the day could come when we could actually all do this if we knew how but uh, of course there's the other angle of you know should we make the changes you know rather than just go straight ahead and, and do it yeah that's the question i mean how much could we disrupt by changing one little thing that's the question that's more concern is what will it change in the big picture is it well, going to answer our yeah. world or is it going to detract well actually there's two theories that um, time traveler researchers think of one is the angle of if you change something um you know it could alter things whether just to a little bit or you know it could create something drastic or the other angle is that it doesn't change the time um, zone that you're in however um it could um create an alternative um parallel world just surely because um you know happened to do something wrong and um everything went wrong and before you know it um that um dangerous thing that happened didn't really affect your reality but what it did do was to create another and maybe it also had a spiral with another um time zone if you like and you have this fascinating scenario that a lot of scientists believe that every literal sort of significant event um could potentially create another timeline and another timeline and another one and another one and so on to the point where um you know there could literally be multiple um versions of all of us um or say for example in 1963 JFK managed to be to avoid getting assassinated in Daly Plaza Dallas um or right. you know we we there was no second world war that kind of thing but so and in other words you've still got those time zones and timelines existing somewhere it's just that um there's another one and it may be also um that might be where people also have um sort of psychic experiences in their sleep again and sometimes they have 
um, graphic dreams of things like JFK um, not getting shot. And so in other, but that, that person may have had a brief look at that, the other time zone, not ours, but they have the ability to briefly seen the other one. And um, so a lot of this um, really kind of um, ties up with the human mind and the power of the human mind to actually, um, you know, to, to alter time. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a, some sort of a mad professor with his um, white coat on, you know, and um, building all these machines and and whatever else. Um, it may actually be able to achieve all this literally by the psyche, if you like. Yeah, that's even more exciting. But isn't there also some talk about the Vatican having some type of a time machine that people could look into and see Christ and see different events in history? Uh, uh, I, I haven't seen that one. That's That was interesting also, but I will t share this with you. We had Robin Foy on the show several times, and mm -hmm. Robin was a lead medium in the Skoll experiment in the U.K., and the focus of a wonderful movie called The Afterlife Investigations, which you can watch on YouTube. But three interviews <laughs> to get the whole story out of them, because they had a team that they worked with here, when they did their, their sittings. Then they had a team on the other side. And the team on the other side and the team here, they really bonded. They became like family. And then what happened was um, they were visited after five years of doing these sittings and having amazing things happening, airports and full-body apparitions and all this stuff. Well, they had a visit from a Time Lord who said, enough, because there is a group like yours in the future, uh -huh. and they are trying to contact your group, and mm -hmm. we cannot allow it. So well, that, from that, now on, yeah. we, Sorry. Mm -hmm. we won't allow you to connect. And they, they tried it anyways, and what happened was the mediums were hit with some god-awful sounds that so they couldn't concentrate, and they were not allowed to meet with that group in, in, ever again. Mm -hmm. So it prevented, even though their team on the other side and they were just as close, as close as they could possibly be, it was this other group in the future that was going to be causing such a big problem with the timeline, according to this Time Lord. Well, that's actually that's an interesting theory because some people think that this also ties in with the doppelganger thing, you know, where you're walking down the street and you see someone, you think, well, that, that person looks just like me, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and one of the theories is is that it's not sort of like an evil um, opposite, which is what some people believe, but the, you have this interesting scenario that... Um, that occasionally we cross paths with time zones again, and eventually, you know, you cross paths um, with one of these doppelgangers, uh, although not really a doppelganger, it really is you, um, you know, but in a different time zone. So um, 
I find that interesting, the idea that um, the the sort of the folklore and the legend of doppelgangers may actually have a reality, but the reality is that you and another you from another time frame at one point happen to cross paths down the street, and but it's perceived as a doppelganger. Um, so again, you know, you've got sort of a lot of scenarios to explain and um, and to sort of think about when it comes to some of these weirder sides of time travel. Yeah, there's so much to this. I would imagine you could have a book two and three over everything to cover everything with this. And then, of course, there's, i got to ask you about the Mandela effect, where we are remembering things one way, but yet... Mm-hmm. We're being told, no, it didn't, like, there was no beam me up Scotty. I mean, I grew up on Star Trek. There was a beam me up Scotty. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. So what do you make of that? Well, with um, the, the whole Mandela thing. Well, again, I think that's a, a perfect example um, of when, for example, you know, you're absolutely sure um, you heard this or you heard, that some famous actor had died um, or, you know, something else happened, um, which was clearly, you know, um, something that you were sure happened. Um, But you're not now able to find any evidence of it, even though you've still got the facts or the memories um, in your mind. And that whole scenario really is a fascinating one because that creates like almost a unique situation where the the phenomenon actually lets us to realize that um, we're probably probably looking at some kind of um, glitch, I would say. Um, something along the lines of, um, you know, you're, you're sitting looking out your cup of coffee in the morning and you hear the, the death of this person and then six months later, you hear it again, and and there's no way it could have happened, and yet it did happen, and and again for me, that is the kind of situation where clearly some sort of rift, um, a rift that caused a problem that ca- that changed things that shouldn't have been changed, but your brain was sort of impervious to it and wasn't able to um to sort of um sort of melt in the um you know the the uh, the second um scenario if you like and um and you're stuck with the original memories that kind of thing happens um a lot um and again and again I think this is a perfect example of how time travel doesn't require um, us to have machines and dates and buttons to achieve it. This actually happens randomly, um, possibly as sort of a, an aspect of the planet, you know. It's so, it's so strange. I mean, this thing really gets me thinking because, again, I grew up on, on all kinds of television. That was my babysitter. And, again, I love Lucy. You know, when Desi would say, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. No, doesn't exist. Never happened. I mean, there are some, 
Remember certain that, things that we PK? know actually did, but can't prove it anymore. I know. It's it's like wiped. It's very, very strange to me. And that song, We Are the Champions of the World, but at the end of the song, that of the world is missing. And yet mm-hmm. so many people, and I'm talking about even young people, because I had some interns here a couple of years ago, and they were onto this, and they were totally freaked out that um, We Are the Champions ended like that and it was missing of the world. They're like, no, we remember this. So it doesn't seem to matter in terms of age. It, it There's, believe me, a wide span between their, them in their 20s and me, but we remembered it the same way. So the other question, though, that I have about this is there's been some talk about CERN and how CERN is creating these glitches. What do you think about that one? Well, yeah, I've heard a lot of weird stories about that, um, you know, in relation, well, not too many in, in relation to time travel, but I do remember that there was one story of somebody who um, supposedly, you know, with CERN, um, started to see, uh, like, visions of the future and visions of the past. Um, now, how that um, would actually be, how that would happen, I don't know. But the story was that um, it was almost like in a visionary kind of situation. And what made it more sort of intriguing, there was nothing particularly um, over the top in terms of the images. It wasn't like um, the end of the world or anything like that. It was just everyday imagery. But for somehow the the people were being affected um, and having sort of brief images of something to come. Um, and the only way I can think about it, and, and it is just a theory, would be that in some fashion, you know, something along that kind of technology has the ability to to change reality, uh, well, reality in the sense of, of the timelines. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this bothers me. <laughs> I, I wonder what they're really up to with CERN and if they even know what the heck they're doing and That's the right, profound yeah. effect, you know, really. Yeah, they may not be too sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm worried about it. <laughs> but well, what a great some, topic. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, there are things to be um, concerned about. Um, I'll give you an example in 2017, I, I wrote an article for one of the companies I, I work for, and um, and what had happened was that um, a guy had uh, had a very sort of um, terrifying dream of a nuclear war, and um, and the, the the dream was that uh, and this and the, and he was in Chicago, living in Chicago, and um, he had this very graphic dream of. Um, a nuclear war with with North Korea and um and I wrote the article and a number of other people wrote in and said that they'd had very graphically um similar um dreams as well and over the course of about probably about 6 weeks I got I would say about 25 stories from people all across the US and um and it, it was a very graphic scenario of sort of um, satellites um, 
in orbit over the US and releasing um, nuclear weapons and things like this to try and destroy the country, really. Um, and some of these stories were eerily similar to each other, to the point that in when this really reached its peak in 2017, um, what it basically came to was that a lot of people, when we, every, everybody was talking about this in the in the forum and everything, were terrified that all of these different people who'd had these terrible dreams of nuclear war, they were so close to each other that they felt that there was no way that um, this could be reversed and and that in late 2017 there would be nuclear war. But of course, thankfully, there was no um, nuclear war in 2017, or as I suggested in the article, it wasn't in our 2017 timeline. But people, uh-huh. a lot, most of these people were having these scenarios in their dreams again. Um, so I think, again, all of these people who had these terrible dreams of nuclear war in 2017 probably did see something like that, but it was a completely different 27, uh, 2017 timeline. But ours wasn't disrupted, but they were seeing an aspect of the other one. That is so interesting. It's a, it's a great theory on why they all came up with such a similar dream and prophecy yeah. about the future, but thank God it didn't happen. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, I think I think that makes a lot of sense because <clears throat> just recently PK and I were watching some remote viewers, two different groups, independent of each other. For October, they were predicting some type of a nuclear explosion in an urban area, both right. independently predicting this. Thank God so far it hasn't happened. Um, sure. But, yeah, both of them are coming up with that. And it may be what you just explained that they're all seeing this in a different timeline, I hope. It's not ours. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. again, that's, that's sort of an example of time travel, um, but it's not like the, you know, the classic Hollywood, <laughs> you know, so kind of scenario. Um, although, you know, I mean, over times, um, you know, the, the world of entertainment um, actually has done... Um, you know, some good jobs of um, of making time travel um, entertaining. And, and I talk about that in the book because um, I think, you know, it's um, as well as talking about the science, the technology, and the real aspect of time travel, you know, it's also good to sort of lay back and um, listen, to, uh, no, excuse me, watch, you know, like a really good, time travel movie you know and just think wow you know what if that kind of thing you know so um what are some good ones that you can recommend well i mean there's a number of ones um altogether um one of them's called millennium millennium's a really good um movie and um i won't tell you the whole story uh but it's time travel uh, travel obviously and um, in the future, um, what happens is that in the future, you know, the, the, the planet and the population is degrading. And so the people from the future, um, they, what they do is that they come back to our time and they steal 
um, passengers off airplanes in our time uh, just before the planes are going to crash. And, um, and so there's like this cover-up in the um, airline industry that the bodies were never in the planes because they, they've been taken out of the planes and, uh, t- and taken to the future to, to sort of beef up our stock, you know, because the, yeah. in the future the, the earths uh, and the people are sort of on an evolutionary decline. And that's um, a millennium. That's a really good a sort of well-thought-out um, movie. And, um, and I think probably one that people um, sort of... Um, to resonate with as well it would be doctor who you know that's oh that's, yeah that's like the the typical you know that that's that's totally 100 percent time travel you know that's right that's right yeah, that's, gosh i yeah. miss doctor who what the heck are they doing why aren't they making more of those it's like you're lucky if you see <laughs> one a year god go ahead no, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I, the one that I loved was called Time Trap. Have you seen that one? No, I don't think I know that one. Oh, my God. You, Everybody, you need to go see it. It's, well, it's on Netflix. It's fabulous. Time Trap was one of the best I've ever seen. And then there was another one. It was kind of a quirky, independent movie. It had a strange title, though, and, of course, I can't remember it. Um, but this man puts his puts an advertisement in the newspaper that he wants somebody to uh, time travel with. And that was also excellent, but unfortunately I can't remember what that was. Another one that I like, and this goes back to the late 70s, 1979, it's um, a, mo- uh, a movie called Time After Time. And, um, and that's oh, a good yeah. one. Well, yeah. That's, that's, that's oh, okay. really good. Yeah, yeah, that, that is about, a good one. Um, yeah, it stars um, David Warner and Malcolm McDowell and uh, Mary Steenburgen, and, and um, basically what it is, um, it's a book, excuse me, a movie about Jack the Ripper, and um, and he, Jack the Ripper, finds a way to travel through time, uh, so he won't get caught in the 1800s, uh, and yeah. um, and uh, that's a really well thought out story, really. That is. Well, and was, here's the one I was trying to think time. of. Where there was a relationship. Say that again. It, somewhere in time. I, I can't, I, that's all I can remember is that part of it, where these, this couple gets together again. They met years before in another lifetime, and they get back in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of it. But it was called, I think, Somewhere in Time where they re-meet in this time zone. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. The name of that movie I was trying to remember is Safety Not Guaranteed. Uh-huh. It's, it's just the cutest movie. I loved it. And mm-hmm. I know people have told me that they felt the same way. It was but it's a time travel movie also. You know, it's a fascinating thing. We're all kind of fascinated by this for one reason or another. And, and you talk about being able to change things in the past and I do recall one story from Robert Monroe about a gentleman that had gone through his, you know, series of, of listening to changes in consciousness, you know, through the tapes and everything that he had. And he said, he told Bob that he uh, went back in time 
and however he cut himself with a knife or whatever, he actually was able to change that. So it never happened. And and when he came out of this consciousness state that he was in, the scar was gone. So that's an example of what you were talking about, Nick, that yeah. we do have this ability. It's our consciousness that controls this. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely do think um, that's why people do have these dreams and then, you know, two months later, part of that dream plays out totally, you know. And um, But one other um, sort of more up-to-date um, time travel uh, movie, which I thought was really good, it's called Sound of My Voice. And um, that one, it has no special effects, no other worlds or anything like that. What it is, um, it's about this um, sort of um, cult in California and um, people sort of flock to it. And then it, it start, people start to realize that um, the, the girl who runs the cult, um, that she um, is able to um, sort of um, put things out there that haven't happened yet. And, um, and there are these these sort of, I guess you like call them time cops or something that um, ch- are chasing after. And, um, and by actually sort of keeping the, the, the special effects uh, to, to zero, really. Um, but wow. just, um, yeah, it's, it's done really well. You know, you, you would think you would need uh, a time travel movie to be sort of, you know, sort of Tom Cruise and guns and whatever. And this one is right. the exact Stargates opposite. and everything else. Yeah, but it's sort of like Gosh. a really fascinating but kind of deep story as well. <laughs> the Sound of My Voice, is that the name of it? The Sound of My yes. Well, Sound, sound of, my of My Voice, just Sound, sound of sound My Voice. Sound of My Voice. Yeah. So, Nick, there's a lot of people on social media. I mean, not a ton of them, but there's a few on social media that claim to be time travelers. You know, I'm from the year blah, 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 and here's this photograph to prove it. Have you investigated any of those people? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the most um, famous one or infamous one would be um, a guy named John Teter, T-I-T-O-R. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and he um, he came forward um, at the dawning of the 21st century, and when um, he was put all this information out as, as what was going to happen in the future, there was going to be like nuclear strikes and um, and um, the, the future wouldn't be as good as it is now, uh, although it's not great <laughs> right now. But, yeah, uh, really. Um, yeah, and um, there's, there's some interesting theories about the, the story of John Teter. Um, and he, he basically put all these statements on the Internet as to what was going to happen in the future, uh, said like wars and um, you know the the country and the econ- uh, the economy would fall to pieces and you know the planet wouldn't be what it used to be and there would be a civil war all of this and um, what's particularly intriguing about this is that there's nobody really has got a sort of um, you know a, one particular scenario or theory and um, there's actually several. Um, you've got the idea that he he was a literal time traveller. He put out all his statements and um, all the information that he claimed he knew, and he vanished. 
Um, the the other one, you know, um, which is a, the idea of a hoax. And then the other one, which is the interesting one, is that it was sort of like a social experiment to see how the people of our um, era would respond if they knew that the people of 30 years would, that, w that we would find out that they would hate us because we're reckless and whatever. And so in other words, the, the idea that, um, that that scenario was put out to make us think about, you know, try and slow things down, you know, don't destroy the planet and the environment. But he, but he did it under a sort of a, like a fictional um, situation. But I have to right. say that he, but John Teter still has a, a large following of people who absolutely do believe what he said and that some of his differences were due to timelines. And um, so, you know, he, he's not gone. Um, he's, the, certainly his following isn't as big, but the, you know, the stories are still out there and, um, and it's still going on, yeah. That is so cool. Now, there was another guy who invested a small amount of money, made over $300 million in the stock market, never lost any money, just made money. And, of course, that attracted some attention. And this was front-page news. So they, I believe, arrested him, but then he disappeared, vanished. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I know. Really, Nick? Tell us. Tell us how. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's happened. Yeah, this... you know, in a couple of movies, um, like for example, um, in um, Back to the Future Part Two, um, one of the guys, Biff, in the movie, um, he finds one of these almanacs, which um, has got all the the winnings, you know, for the next 20 of, um, you know, football um, cups and um, things like this, you know. And so he, he he doesn't have to predict, you know, when, um, you know, this cup's going to win, you know, this this um, football game's going to win, this baseball's going to uh, win, because he knows he's got all the results. And, um, and in no time at all, he's like not a millionaire, he's like a billionaire because... Like you just said, he's just uh, had the ability to go out there and just um, bet on this, bet on that, and um, and literally no time. You know, he's uh, one of the most, um, you know, sort of um, most, uh, <coughs> excuse me, richest man on the planet. I mean, that's that's a you know fictional, but um, in theory, you know, if you could travel time in that situation. Well, potentially, you could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't yeah. even be—you wouldn't even be robbing a bank. You'd just be um, winning <clears throat> on the lottery, you know. <laughs> right, you got those lottery numbers, and you play them. Or in this case, this guy actually bought stocks that he just knew were going to go way, way up. And of course, that again raised some eyebrows because people are like, how can you not lose any money and just keep making more and more and more? So, yeah, I wonder. I hope he took off with his money. Anyways, there are some. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. But there are about, some great stories. Oh yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about time travel is that 
you know, it, it's some of it can be sort of deep and dark and frightening, but there are these sort of quite <clears throat> funny potential aspects to it as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many um, Hollywood movies uh, based on time travel and with, with a comedy um, mood to them, that's why so many of these movies are so popular because because they make great stories, you know, whether whether it's true or not, you know, it, they they are still great tales, you know. I mean, that's why yeah, so many it's, like it's, cinema, it's you know, in the cinema, you know, and uh, on TV, and um, so many of those movies that, uh, that people just love them, you know. Like, um, what was the one? Um, uh, the uh, the Christmas one, um, you know the old black and white one. Um, oh, what was it called? Oh, it's a wonderful life. life. Yeah, which one? It's life. a wonderful He's life. Stuart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Stuart. wonderful life. Yeah, I mean that was a perfect example of you know um, time and reality being changed um, mm-hmm. as a means to sort of um, you know James Stewart character uh, James Stewart's character to. Um, you know, don't do this. If you do, this is what will happen. And he doesn't listen. Right. And it all goes wrong. And then he gets a chance to come back. And, uh, you know, but that was a perfect example as well of, you know, reality has gone. Nobody knew who he was. He, he'd literally been zipped out of reality, you know, to a 100% degree. Yeah. And this is what it would have been if you weren't there. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd love to just also ask you, because uh, we have about 20 minutes left, about anything new in the world of the paranormal, cryptids, men in black, any new stories that you've heard about that have been reported to you or that you've learned that our audience would also love to hear about? Well, yeah, I mean, one of these situations, you know, when you sort of do radio or books and conferences and lectures, you know, you get a lot of um, sort of feedback, that kind of thing. And um, I, a lot of people are amazed when I tell them that I probably get somewhere in the region of, I would say, um, I probably get 20 to 30 men in black and women in black type um, cases per year. Um, a lot of people think, you know, the MIB phenomenon's gone away or it's, you know, it's not really out there to much degree. But I get a lot of these stories. Now, what's intriguing is that the the real men in black and the real women in black, they're nothing like in, like, um, you know, the movies Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> they're nothing like that. Right. They're actually, like, really weird-looking, pale... You know, it's like the skin's sort of like white, white. Um, they're sort of gaunt, shrunken tree, um, cheeks. Um, and they kind of look sort of like, um, you know, the worst vampire you could imagine, you know. Um, yeah. That's how they look. And um, they have the ability um, to sort of control people's minds, uh, like in a, sort of like a hypnosis-type situation. And they warn people and threaten them not to talk about UFO activity. Um, they still wear these sort of um, 1950s um, uh, fedora hats and skinny black ties and so on. And and they look like they've come straight out of time. 
and that's why I actually got a chapter in the in the book um, about time travel and the men in black and women in black because I think they could actually be real um, time travelers and they could even be um, something along the lines almost of like um, like archaeolo- archaeologists that kind of thing you know following mm. us and what we're doing and um, or historians in some respects as well um, but yeah um, when you mentioned about things that you know that pop up um you know when people um you know just uh, call me up or email me or whatever um yeah i get a lot of these stories um of the men in black uh, i also get a lot of bigfoot cases as well and there's so in other words there's no shortage still of um bigfoot type sightings um primarily uh, most of the ones i get are from the uh, Pacific Northwest, um, but also a lot of them um, in and around um, sort of the, the swampy areas, um, you know, sort of Florida, Louisiana, places like that. And um, right. and again, you know, we're talking about sort of large, sort of six, seven foot tall um, ape-like creatures. Um, so yeah, I mean that's you know the, there's no shortage of um, any of the things that I write about. There's never really a shortage of um, you know the stories coming forward. And do you think it's even getting more pronounced because we hear all the time you know the veil is getting thinner and thinner, and people seem to be having more experiences even in their own homes that aren't necessarily haunted, but it just seems like there's something going on. There's there's more of this. Do you have that same experience? You mean like in a, in a at an increase? You mean? Yes, it's increasing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, some. Th- I mean, there's some things I don't investigate only because um, it's not really my area, and I've never really sort of got into it. And that's sort of like ghosts and um, haunted houses. I've never sort of really sort of, you know, sort of um, got me, if you like. But um, I have a lot of friends who are in that field. And one of the things that um, I've heard over the the last year or two within that field, if you like, the more the paranormal angle um, of things increasing is reports of what's been known as uh, the shadow people and the hat man. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those. They're sort of like shadowy... Figures that people see in their bedrooms at night, and you know they wake up at like two in the morning, and um, there's like um, a figure in the room, or what looks like a shadow, like a one-dimensional thing in the room, and they sort of got a um, like a black suit and a black fedora hat, kind of like the Men in Black, and um, and but they just stand in the room staring at people, and uh, the people are very often um unable to move um for a while you know it's just sort of you know they're frozen with fear but um but a lot of um people i know have been getting um more and more reports of these shadow people and the hat man and uh, one theory is that they sort of manifest in our bedrooms when we were asleep and we were unable to do anything about it and that they sort of um, drain our energy sort of like a paranormal parasite kind of situation so 
So yeah, try to I avoid keep them. them <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. What do you have it to would. do? Like put salt all around the the bedroom, or how do you keep them out? Yeah, you have to. Upside yeah, I mean that's one of the things why I think that one of the reasons why so many of these kind of experiences occur in the in the bedroom. I think the main reason is because we are vulnerable at that point when we're asleep. That's the one point of every day when we're vulnerable, and particularly so between about one and about three to three thirty, and particularly about two to three thirty. That's when we're in our deepest deep sleep state and um so that's when you're really at your um worst time so to speak and um and i think that's why you know we're getting so many of these hatman um cases and um yeah, people, a number that of makes people sense. have said yeah a number of the people have said that you know in the morning they've just felt wiped out and um, mm-hmm. soaked in sweat and uh, as if they'd been just beaten to pieces, you know. Wow. There, there is something that this dimension and the other dimension is probably the distance of a, about a curb. Is that true? I'm sorry, say that again. That the this world and the next, the, the, the dimension between the two is actually about the, the distance of a, of a uh, street curb. That's only about uh, 10, 12 inches difference between the two dimensions. Oh, I see. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that, but what I can tell you, there are some cases, again, with the men in black, um, where, and, and again, um, bear in mind that a lot of people have suggested they could be time travelers, but the, the men in black, there have been a lot of sightings of them where they, it's almost literally like they, they sort of um, just walk straight through one reality into another. But it only took them seconds. You know, it was like as if they walked through something and, you know, their their head and body has already gone through and then the legs, you know, the leg comes through after in seconds. So in other words, yeah, I think what you were saying, um, in other words, what this would demonstrate is that you could walk or run you know, through that other reality in seconds. It's not like, you know, you've got to go through some sort of portal that that's sort of a mile long or anything like that. You know, you literally yeah. can sort of just, it's just like going through, you know, your front door and then closing the front door behind you. Uh, there's a lot of cases like that where they, you know, it's like the click of a finger. They're there and then as they go through the next uh, portal, they're not there, and there's and there's barely seconds, you know. So. Gosh. Wow. Um, now, with the men in black, I, I think last time you were on, you talked quite a bit about them, and as I recall, they, they have that pasty, waxy appearance, but also people have described that their eyebrows are basically drawn on. It's like a makeup that they're wearing. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, that sounds really odd. In, in fact, it is odd. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, a lot of most of them, when you see them up and close, um, yeah, it looks like they've got sort of like Halloween, um, like paint. You know, somebody's going down to the local store for Halloween to paint the face. You know, totally white. Um, but, but their skin looks like that 
all the time. So for them, it's the other way round. They try and change their skin to sort of a more human-like makeup, I guess, if you like. Um, there's other cases where it looks like they were wearing um, large, um, uh, like either sunglasses um, or well, usually sunglasses to hide their eyes because very often they have these sort of bulging eyes. Um, you know, they seem too big, uh, like almost like a high, uh, thyroid um, condition. And um, oh. but they hide that <clears throat> with their sunglasses. So you've got that, and many of the uh, both the men and the women as well. You can clearly tell that some of them, uh, or many of them, wear. Um, these long wigs, or the, the men uh, wear like a short black wig and the, the women wear these long black wigs. So if you think about it, if you remove the wigs and the glasses and the makeup, they'd look pretty much like aliens, you know, the skinny, black-eyed aliens, mm -hmm. you know, that everybody's familiar with. But uh, by changing the skin color, putting the masks on, putting the wigs on and so on and so on, um, you could actually get away um, without being seen too easily. And I think, that's, I think that's what happens because for the most part, but as I said, they really don't look normal, but with a bit of effort, they can actually almost make themselves look like us. Now, what's their goal, though? What's their end game? This All this threatening people, you know, don't talk about UFOs or abductions. What's yeah. the deal with that? Why? Well, and who's yeah. behind that? Well, that's a good question. One of the theories is that um, that, the, that they are actually time travelers and that um, they're trying to prevent us from finding out what they really are. And so they emphasize the UFO angle, uh, but they do it deliberately to drive us away um, from the time travel angle. And in one sense, oh. that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, right. that would make, it would make yep. some sense, you know, that um, they want us not to know that they are time travelers. So we give them more and more data and, um, and stories and um, that pushes us down a flying source of UFO alien angle. Um, and the the person, the witness or the victim, is then placed into a situation where they're sure that you know they were being silenced by aliens. But using the alien angle as a camouflage, so they wouldn't know or even think about the time travel angle, that would be an easy way of of, of getting away with that. An easy way to. For, for time travelers to insert themselves into our society. Um, and that's probably also one of the reasons why they almost always comes out at night, because it's dark and you're not able to see them too well, you know, if they're standing mm -hmm. yeah. in the porch, you know, if they're standing in the porch, um, you know, and, um, and they start threatening you, but it's, out, but it's nine o'clock at night, you know, again, that's good camouflage. So everything about the men in black, you know, is sort of creepy and weird and, and sinister. It is. I'm surprised nobody's captured one yet. Well, that's another interesting thing. Um, 
it's kind of like with the other angle as well, where a lot of people have said that, you know, that the men in black, um, the person, the victim, uh, have allowed the men in black or the women in black to come in the house, like at 9 or 10 or 11, to threaten them. And nobody would do that normally. And it suggests that, it, to some degree, the MIB have a, a significant degree of mind control. And, uh, um, yep. and I th yeah, and I think that's, that applies to all these things, you know, like you just said, you, you know, most people would not do things like this, you know. Um, you wouldn't let somebody in the house, you know. You wouldn't let, um, you know, you wouldn't stand there just waiting, you know, for them to threaten you or whatever. You you would lock the door and call 911. Um, right. But people don't do that. And, uh, and again, you know, this kind of ties in with mind control and um, and the ability to cause us to do what they want us to do rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Now, has there been any talk about them having a hive mind, that they're not really independent? Um, well, actually, I mean, there could be. I mean, I haven't personally come across any, um, but what I would say which is a little bit strange is that very often they usually um surface in threes um now with the women the women in black it's usually two and with the men in black it's usually three um hmm. why that should be i don't know um so it's not we're not talking about like a huge hive but there is that it's never usually just one it's very rarely that you'll see them just once, or the witness says there was just one. It's usually um, three. So that in itself, you know, is um, interesting also. Yeah, and it would be intimidating to anybody um, if they opened the door and there was three of them standing there, not just one. So it would be harder to capture one, you know, yeah. tie them up and say, tell well, me who you are. Yeah, but, one would be, uh, yeah, with three of them, it's a bit of a hard a hard thing to do unless you're a, an expert martial artist or something. But like you said, the mind control thing is, is very troubling because even if you, you had every intention to keep them out of your house, they might uh, just force themselves on you in your house just mm -hmm, because sure. they can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an, an important angle as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this, these are closely related to the black-eyed kids, too, right? Or is that oh, yeah. a totally I mean, different thing? Yeah. yeah, you could actually make a case that they, in some way, um, you know, that you could make this connection directly. Um, now, I don't think it's as simple as it's like good old mom, dad, and the kids. You know, I don't think it's like that. <laughs> that, that, right. that would be, like, too, too bizarre, you know. Um, <laughs> right. What I do think is that it's one interesting theory that was put forward um, was the idea that the, the the children, if you like, the black-eyed children, could be, um, are created, almost grown, like, like robots, you know, they're grown, but they're robots, like a biological robot. And that possibly um, some of them are grown to be, to look at a certain height, and a certain size, and then the same with the men and the women. In other words, we might not be actually seeing them in their own real form, but we might, they have been sort of 
camouflage by changing their sizes and colors and etc um, and the reason why I say that is because um, the the sort of angle of what the black-eyed children do is exactly like the men in um, black and women in black do that's to say they'll knock on people's doors late at night they'll try and find a way in the house and very often they actually do manage to get in and that's because again of mind control um, whereas the men in black wear black wigs and uh, the the men uh, wear uh, black wigs as well and then you've got the black-eyed children um, they wear pulled down um, black hoodies um, but their mm -hmm. skin their skin looks um, pale as well and they're all it's always at the doorstep where they come so you've got a lot of these parallels um, between the black-eyed children and the men in black and um, it, again it's one of those weird phenomena that's only been around about 17 18 19 years now um, but um, reports are still coming along and people are still describing them dressed in black knocking the doors late at night and and it's it's almost impossible to say there isn't a connection you know with with the with the black eyed kids and the MIB. yeah and, and but with the, with the men in black it seems like they have a purpose to intimidate people and stop them from talking about ufo's abductions etc but with these kids it's just like what have they gone rogue they're just harassing people and wanting to drain their energy like little vampires that, you that's like the what some of the people think, yeah, that, yeah. Um, that they're sort of energy drainers, yeah, and, um, and that they just, because, you know, they, and again, they very often, you know, they'll ask to be inside, to, to come inside. Men in black, women in black, they do that as well, and that parallels with the old, like, Eastern Europe um, vampire stories where, you know, you cannot cross at the threshold until you've um, allowed the person or the vampire to come in. <clears throat> and that's, that parallels right. the black-eyed kids. That they, none of them will um, enter unless you ask them. Um, so, again, I think possibly this is sort of like um, a draining of energy. You know, when it's time for them to eat, they don't go down to the local burger place or whatever they literally <laughs> drawn the person of their you know they drain them of their energy and then um and then basically they're, they're fueling themselves gross yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's happened to a number of people i do i do recall mm -hmm. seeing some uh some mm -hmm. television reenactments with that and it was very frightening and i remember the people saying that they had such a bad feeling like when the kids approached the window of the car or whatever they were just overwhelmed with a terrible feeling so i guess it that's important people need to know to pay attention to that yeah and as i said um earlier you know the the big problem is that very often this occurs in like a nighttime or worse still you know deep sleep situation particularly with like the hat man and, and things like that, the shadow people, uh, because we're all asleep, you know, that's, and that's the one time every one of us is vulnerable. Um, and so I yes. think you know, this has been done deliberately 
you know, for the places and the locations and the times. It's all been done very easy on their part, I think. Yeah, and there is such a thing as sleep paralysis that during a part of our our sleep process where we can't move. So, yeah, I would think they would take advantage of that. Well, yeah, well, I actually don't think that sleep paralysis is internal. I mean, it is a real phenomenon. And I mean, you can actually find if you if you um, Google sleep paralysis, you will actually find um, descriptions on some of the the United States' most well known um, pharmacies have got their own sections on um, on sleep paralysis. It sounds strange, but yeah, a lot of them have got their own um, th- their own websites and explaining what it is. However. My view is I don't believe that sleep paralysis is internal to the human mind. I think sleep paralysis is basically we're put into a state of that by these paranormal things. But, oh. and, and when they want to, you know, sort of get in our place, um, get into our homes or manifest because some kind that, you know, they're not even sort of in 3D um you know, they're, they're more sort of like um, like a spiritual kind of ghostly thing. However, in saying that, um, there's a lot of stories where, for example, um, oh, people we're going to have, have to end. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Nick, oh, but we're going to be right. cut off. Oh God, we're going to have to have you back near the end of this story. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been so fascinating. Oh my God, we love having you on the show. So oh, thank you. Definitely. Good luck with your book. Again, Adventures in Time Travel, everybody. Go out and get it. It's a great one. So, Nick, we'll stay in touch. And thank you. So next week, everybody, we'll be back with another great show, Paranormal Places. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night. Good day. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. 